Welcome to the Hot Love Podcast. Kevin A.C. Padres, great writer for the Union Tribune. There's Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Uh, Ryan, we're starting this uh, in the middle or just before the middle game of a three-game series against the team the Padres can't beat, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Padres coming off a very average road trip that finished very well, but that we don't feel good about. So that runs the gamut of emotions. Uh, where would you like to start? Because I'll be honest with you, I'm flying by the seat of my pants this morning. Yeah, we were supposed to, or we were planning initially on doing this yesterday. We normally do it on the first day of the series. Uh, Kevin had an already busy day that got even busier. Anytime you have to go straight from the airport to a baseball game, uh, was it in progress at the time you no, arrived? It's in or no, in progress. Thank, oh, thankful uh, for for Jeff Sanders being there. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a long day, man. That is a long day. Uh, Kevin, my first question is, why the hell can't the Padres beat the Pittsburgh Pirates? Uh, yeah. It seems like everybody else seems to have a pretty easy time with the Pittsburgh Pirates. It seems like the more obscure the player, the better they do. They had a guy last night who was hitting zero seven six, a shortstop who had a number in the sixties on the back of his jersey hit a home run. Um, is this matchup? Is this just emblematic of a larger problem? What the heck is going on? I still, and I know that, that, that Bob Melvin mentioned that, you know, hey, we scored four runs. I, I'm sorry. They, they were down big. They couldn't hit a kid that they should have hit. For a second straight night, for, you know, what has been a couple dozen times this season, um, they were stymied by a pitcher that, you know what, that should happen a few times a year because it is baseball, because Manny Machado is right, the pitchers get paid. That should happen. It happens right. too often to the Padres. Right. The home run, I mean, you Darvish didn't have it last night, and that's going to happen. So I still more put last night on the offense. You know, they did score four runs off this guy. Three of them came from Hassan Kim. And, yes, sometimes one guy – carries a, a, a team, right, for a, for a game. And if, if uh, you Darvish hadn't been so off, that maybe Hassan Kim would have been the hero last night. But the fact is, like, no one but Hassan Kim did anything for, you know, six innings practically. So, um, or for, let's say, nine innings. That, to me, is is a huge problem. Why can't they beat the Pirates? I, I really don't know. It's, it's going to be a part of the either postscript uh, of this amazing turnaround or the obituary. Yeah, Kevin, we talk so much about the big four, and certainly a lot of blame falls at their feet uh, when they're unable to hit bad pitchers or, or I'm sorry, pitchers whose numbers indicate that they're bad. But but I want to talk to you, Darvish, here. As bad a pitching performance as he's had in years with the Padres last night against a team that historically doesn't do uh, much damage offensively and at a time when the Padres really need him. What did he say afterwards and – and again, is this indicative of anything larger or is this just a, a bad day at the ballpark? You know, I felt like it needed to be addressed that it could be something uh, that was larger. Uh, so I wrote about it in the newsletter. You Darvish was seemed genuinely willing to dismiss it as like so bad that it's not bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, he last week, his last start, which was uh, five days earlier, Looked fine. Actually, probably looked as good as he has against a pretty good offense in Toronto. Um, there does not appear to be health issues. There are things that indicate that that, that was an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Also, hasn't been the greatest season. Mm-hmm. Wasn't was a really uh, was a late start. Basically, mm-hmm. missed spring training because he was uh, with the Japan in the World Baseball Classic. 
don't have any idea if that has anything to do with it. That might be something that we'd have to look back on and, and, and see and talk to you and, and other people and see how that affected his flow or whatever. But it, it did affect him for a while. But then he seemed to, OK, cool. Now he's the you Darvish you'd expect. It was a, it was a bad outing. I've been there with you before, just in these three years, a couple of yeah. times yep. said, oh, well, you know, so we'll see. He will be 37 next month. So, you know, we'll see. Well, and that's the thing. It yeah, should I mean, be a deal, by the way. He's a pitcher. So, right. But that's the thing. I mean, you know, you look at the older you get, the more there's a concern that yeah. that you've fallen off a cliff. And, and right, Kevin, right. We, we see this in, in other sports, right? We see this with quarterbacks, right? When Peyton Manning's arm left him, when Peyton Manning got bad, he got real bad, right? When Philip Rivers, God bless him, uh, when, when Philip Rivers got older, it, you know, and he loses that extra zip. You know, it's not just a bad day at the office. It's a guy on the wrong side of 30. I'm not saying Udarvish is too old. His repertoire makes it seem as if he will be able to pitch even after right. he can no longer throw 95. Right. Um, but you look at somebody on the wrong side of 30 who has a night like that when they really need him to pitch better. And you just hope it's not a sign of, of something worse. Right. And, and a, for a, a pitcher, let's call it the wrong side of 35 or the, you know, the, the other side of 35. Because I really think that the age with a pitcher, I don't want to stress it too much. Like we will be saying five years with Manny Machado and, and Xander Bogarts wondering uh, what the what the story is. And that, I don't look forward to that because it'll be like an annual thing. Every slump they go into yeah. be like, right. oh, how's the bat speed? And no, whatever. Uh yeah. I tend to to believe very much in you, Darvish, until uh, he shows me otherwise. Right. Agreed. Agreed. I think if there's one guy who probably has a body of work that deserves the benefit of the doubt, um, it's you, Darvish. Kevin, not to get too Pollyanna-ish here, uh, it seems to me as if in the past month, Hassan Kim has gone from uh, a San Diego story and the MVP of a disappointing team to somebody who's really maybe getting a little bit of national run even. I mean, last night, he was the one thing keeping it from being the worst night of their year. Uh, and it seems like he's doing this over and over. Uh, what has happened? Is it as simple as, hey, he's hitting a fastball now? Or is it confidence? Or, or what, what's going on there? I believe it's a lot of confidence. And it's it's that he is a good ball player, a smart hitter, a unselfish hitter, uh, and is a very courageous hitter. And that then experience, confidence, improvement, as he enters his prime and learns, you know, in the best league in the world against the best pitchers in the world that, oh, this is who they saw that Hassan Kim could be. It was a, it was a good scouting job. And, and Hassan Kim is a, is a good and hardworking and exciting player. That's what's happened. I, I thought, you know, I, I wrote something, was it last week that he's been the MVP of this team now that, that Hassan Kim is in the discussion as the MVP of this team is a problem. Yes. Right. Yes. But that doesn't mean it's not true. And then he's only been better since I wrote that. So um, or let's say he's only been as good. And I say better uh, getting on base at a 400 clip for like over a month uh, mm -hmm. now batting, I think, 300 in, in July. Uh, his OPS is 900 something in July because he's got some home runs, uh, I think, like 10 or 11 front since um, or maybe it's eight or nine since the middle of June. So mm -hmm. uh, he is finding it. That's for sure. And he made it exciting last night where it was ugly and he made yeah. it exciting where they were a couple hits away from it being a game at least. Yeah. Me watching on TV, Kevin, it seemed oddly quiet until he came up. 
Yep. And then it would go back to being oddly quiet for another three innings. Uh, Kevin, this dates back again to, I, I think, the final game of the Tigers series. There seems to be kind of a baffling inability to hit good pi- or hit mediocre yeah. pitchers. Um, Bob Melvin, I mean, it seems as if there aren't any answers to this outside of just guys aren't showing up. Um, how many times do they have to go through this before you wonder about maybe it being the guys and not necessarily the approach or it being not the manager or whatever it is? Or, or look, to be fair and to, to look at all angles, looking at it being the people teaching or sure. whatever. And I don't care, even if that is the case, even if they um, were to make a move, right, um, at manager or, or somewhere, right. you would then still have to look and say, is it the guys? Because, yep, absolutely. Because yep. if Jace Tingler, who was overmatched, um, now, I'm not saying Jay Singer would never be a manager, but at that point was mm-hmm. overmatched as a manager. Okay, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Two years later, Bob Melvin can't get this group. Right. Maybe you got to start asking yourself some questions about the group right. um, if you're going to move on. So I just want to be fair about that and say like, hey, um, you know, one of the manager's jobs is, is to make sure that things are running smoothly. Uh, that the drama is navigated, that the players do what they say they're going to do, do what they're told to do, do what they're expected to do, uh, that they do respond to their the teaching and, and the motivation. And if that's not getting done, I guess, you know, you got to look at that, right? Because you're not going to get rid of all the players who have guaranteed contracts with no trade clauses uh, that are making huge money. That's just the nature of it, okay? Like, that's just the nature of it. Get yourself in a business where you are so indispensable, which none of us are, because then it's not you. It's everyone around you that's the problem because, well, even if you're the problem, you can't go anywhere. So there's that. But yes, Ryan. Yeah. Um, and I wrote about this in the newsletter where there's such exasperation in the organization of what the heck is going on. And they may well have more of an idea and more of answers than they're letting on. But I do believe there is a certain level of exasperation and we don't know what's happening. It's just becoming harder and harder to look at this team and not go like, what do they really have like a will to win? Philip Rivers was the first person to ever explain this to me. Everybody loves to win. Who hates losing? Does this team really hate losing? Uh, You know, are they overconfident at times? Because like, hey, look, we've shown so many times this year that we are who we say we are. Mm -hmm. Now we're facing Alex Fayetto. We should go out there and kick his ass. Mm -hmm. Is there that? I'm not saying there is. I'm saying that I've watched over 100 games. And I think those are questions that have to be asked. And remember that. I'm the guy who just says, no, no, I want context. I want perspective. I have so much respect for what these guys do. I do tell you that a lot of what Manny Machado says about the other guy gets paid. It's a long season, yada, yada. All that is true. But like, what is happening here? Yeah, it's, I had this thought last night, you know, for for some reason, it just seems like whatever the dynamic is one through nine just isn't working. Right. It's, it's, they're worse than the sum of their parts. Um, significantly so on many nights. Kevin, at some point, sometimes if, if we're playing uh, poker here, you, you slide two cards back and you ask for two more, right? At some point, you shuffle the deck to get a better outcome. Okay. 
whether this is by addition or subtraction, how close are we to them going, screw it, we're shuffling the deck? That's not what they're portraying. That's not what they're portraying clear. Like I've been saying that and writing it for a month and it's now not what they're saying or portraying nationally that you see talked about and written out there. I don't see that as there, but that said, AJ Preller doesn't stand pat very long. Right. So that's not a, you know, preposterous thing that you just suggested. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're asking about the lineup, it certainly doesn't seem that that's a Bob Melvin way of doing things. And especially now he has done a lot of shuffling, but in terms of radical things, and if you were him, you got to ask yourself, I've got these four guys. They're going to start hitting. Now I know that in this day and age when like waiting six seconds for your page to buffer is an eternity. Like we're like, no, you've waited too long. I want to point out that the Padres have a very clear path to the playoffs still mm-hmm. at five games under 500. They Sunday, still have a yeah. lot of good players. Like this thing, I will not be surprised at all if it turns around. Sure. I'm sorry. As you can say, what, huh? I have the one who is like sits in my hotel room at three in the morning going, mm-hmm. this team sucks. And then I look at all the realities and go, they are playing like they suck. Mm-hmm. Do they really suck? No. Right. I mean, they might. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, like, there is a path here. It involves now beating the Pirates. Right. Okay? At any moment, I'm going to change my tune if things don't change. Right. But I think you would have to have – what's the opposite of rose-colored glasses? You yeah. would have to be – you know, and I understand that this is the way that we can get in the media and this is the way fans can get. You would have to be looking at this in a negative light to not acknowledge that it is at least possible that the Padres are better than they're playing and that they could get into the playoffs. Look at what's happened with the Giants, the Phillies, the Marlins. Like the Padres going four and two last week, they gained two games from Sunday to Sunday. Right. We're talking about it being disappointing. They gained two games. Should they have gained three? Yes, and you'd feel a lot better about it. Could they have gained four? And now we'd be like, oh, yeah, right? But it is possible for this team to make the playoffs. Sorry, I rambled. As recently as Saturday night, I went, oh, this team's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, I thought Saturday was as impressive a day at the plate as they've ever had. Now the Tigers stink, right? But you sit there, Saturday, oh, you know, the catcher's hitting. Okay, so maybe catcher's not a problem anymore. Jake Cronenworth's hitting. Ah, Maybe Jake Cronenworth's not a problem anymore, right? Just the way things came together, you know, 48 hours later, I'm back going, what the hell's wrong with this team? So um, I know baseball is a long season, um, as as you have reminded me uh, many times here. Uh, Kevin, you wrote something in your newsletter that I wanted to, to talk to you about very briefly, uh, the ongoing struggles of Matt Carpenter. They've called up a couple of left-handers to, seems to me, essentially take his place. Um, you've got Alfonso Rivas, who started last night's game at first base. You've got Taylor Colway. Guy in his late 20s is making his big league debut. The organization seems to like him a lot. Seems like he got 100 at-bats in spring training. Do those moves say something about Carpenter's future? Yes, but when, I don't know. I mean, I don't write something like that without at least talking to people where like, where I wrote that it looks like the the writing has been on the wall and and that the clock is ticking and, you know, and look, the stats tell you. I mean, it's, yeah. And I take no pleasure in, in, in saying that. 
Matt Carpenter deserves a lot of respect for what he's done, but their time gets us all. Okay. Um, but right now it's like, what do you, you know, who are you bringing in you yeah. with him? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, who, who replaces him? Mm-hmm. Not what do you do with him? You, right. you, you say goodbye, Matt, but mm-hmm. and you eat the money that you gave him, but who replaces him? And they don't have anybody right now. Might it be Preston Tucker coming up? Um, sure. I guess I'd be surprised. I don't have an idea of what their move, their specific move will be. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that it will be a big one, mm-hmm. uh, but I would be surprised if he's here for another week. Sure. The Campusano uh, backup, it looks like he came back up ready to hit uh, for hit game Saturday. Uh, what, did it hit last night, correct? He had a hit last night. It was a double. It was an RBI double. What ha- is happening here is uh, Luis Camposano can hit. Mm-hmm. And, gosh, Luis Camposano can play defense, too, for whatever he had to improve on and learn this year in terms of handling pitchers, uh, game calling, swing reading, all that. That guy can play some defense. He can. And and mm-hmm. so this is, you know, real good for the Padres. And I see him being more patient as well. Uh, he's a real big first, second pitch swinger. And has he done that? Yes. He's also worked some deep counts. Um, and and we're talking about what now three games, but nonetheless, it, it does seem like a little bit more of a of a patient Camposano if he can keep doing that. That's something that will probably come and go his career. Look, it comes and goes with uh Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh it's absolutely amazing. Uh the what the note that I had today in my newsletter, he's uh, chasing at a 50% rate over the last 12 games. That's that's when Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado struggle. None of us can figure out Jake Cronenworth or Trent Grisham. When mm-hmm. Manny Machado and, and, and Fernando Tatis Jr. are struggling, everyone in the world can see it. Mm-hmm. They are swinging at pitches they shouldn't. It is so clear when those guys are struggling. And right now, uh, Fernando is just, you know, he's up there trying to make stuff happen. It could, boom, tonight, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. could go three for four with two home runs. And you'll just see like a different guy who suddenly remembered, oh, yeah, like if I wait for my pitch, right, like, you know, I have a 1200 OPS because I either walk or, you know, I drive balls into the seats beyond left field. Right. So right. we'll yeah. see. And, and it's a little bit more difficult with Pronoworth. Um, you know, I, I read something. Uh, Tom Krasovic had this uh, this fact today. And I mean, I had to read it a few times because I, I could not believe it. You know, we're talking about Cronenworth versus Kevin, brace yourself, Eric Hosmer. Uh-huh. And Cronenworth's OPS lags by some 60 points behind the OPS Hosmer compiled across four and a half seasons with the Padres and his 727 OPS in 90 Padre games a year ago. Jay Cronenworth in OPS in one metric. It's just one metric. It's just one metric. It's just one metric. He's worse today than Eric Hosmer was last year before he got traded. Now, in many other things, including defense, I think he's a clear upgrade. But, I mean, could you see him reduced to part-time work here if, if this team is real serious about pushing uh, to make a playoff spot? I suppose it depends on who they get sure. to be a bat, to be a DH slash. But the mm-hmm. problem is that Jake hits left-handers and, mm-hmm. and goes through stretches where he hits them better than right-handers. Right. Um, you know, uh, Jake's, whatever Hosmer's OPS was, at this point last year, remember he led the league in batting average for two months. So Jake's 657 is a more consistent 657 sure. than what Hosmer's putting up. 
I just compared stepping in dog poop to stepping in a cow pie. Right. Uh, I, I'm sorry. That was, but I'm just trying to like think of two distasteful things. I, that, mm-hmm. I didn't mean that as disrespectful as it sounded, <laughs> but, but I'm trying to make it better than it is. But mm-hmm. where Jake's value came in was mm-hmm. defensively and, um, and was being a clutch hitter who didn't have the, the long stretches of, you know, two for 25 right. uh, that, you know, his good stretches were more just like, okay, good. And he's productive and he has a 18 game on base streak. And, and like his on base during that time is only like 320, but like there's been some big hits in there too. And that was just Jake. He's a gamer. Sure. And this year, you know, I don't know if it's as bad as Jake believes it is because I, I mean, I'm a huge Jake Cronenworth guy. Mm-hmm. People thought I was a big Hosmer guy. I'm like 10 times as much a Cronenworth guy. Right. I want what he's saying to be true about his hits, finding people and all this and his barrels and all that. It's not like his batting average of balls and play is down, but his hard hit rate is not up. Uh, His, his bad luck on hard hits is no worse than anybody else's. It's better than some Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's not a good year at the plate. That's all. And I'm not that he would say that it was, but like, it's just, it's not. And I don't know anybody who really has got that figured out other than to say that he, they never expected that he would be the league, a league leader, right? Right. It's that he wouldn't be where he's at right now. And then you've given him, the Padres have given everybody an extra thing to concentrate on that he's their first baseman. Right. 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 If you're a light hitting second baseman, that's a league average, right? But if you're light hitting first baseman, that's a problem. Uh, Kevin, I ask you this every week, it seems. How important are the next 48 hours in terms of what they want to do? You know, it might be really big. Uh, and we might, we've reached that point in the season where, you know, yeah, you, you, it, it, <laughs> it might be pretty big. We got the trade deadline coming up. Uh, you're at a point where you have to decide what, what are we doing here with the direction of the team? Um, like I've been saying for a long time, it appears that they're, you know, Full steam ahead, whatever that means. That doesn't mean getting another one Soto type deal, but you know that they are. They believe that not only do they believe that they can be a contender, they have to believe that to a certain extent. Unless like they were to get swept by the Pirates and you know lose two or three to Texas or something, um, they have to believe that because they've come this far. And quite honestly, they're not that far back uh, with the team they think they have could have whatever you want to say about them and, and the amount of time left. Uh, so, you know, um, the series against the Dodgers at the beginning of this next month. And I believe there's another one in September. Those are kind of like, as long as they are close, say they can get to within two to three games back. Right. Mm-hmm. I've kind of looked at like the, the next month as mm-hmm. like, I still think that we're going to be looking at these guys a month from now and they could be very well be right where they are right now. And they're not out of it. And so I say that to say, it kind of makes sense that they are thinking that they are buyers um, and, or that for sure they're not sellers right now, because like that would be bizarre. I know that like a lot of people gave up on the Padres like a month ago. Right. Mm -hmm. But that was because you were setting your bar at, Oh, they should already be running away with the division. They're mm-hmm. not. So then it seems like they're worse than they are. And I'm not trying to put lipstick on a pig here. They stink mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. But like it would be ridiculous in, a, in in certain ways for them to give up right now. Kevin, we said this in friggin' March. The number of teams that are trying in the National League. 
We thought March was eight. Maybe now it's 10. Okay. Yes, it's increased. It is increased, but not by much. <laughs> the number right. Of like it shouldn't be, be like, that still means if, if that's the case, right? Mm-hmm. That means, and we're being generous there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Marlins do much worse here over a little bit of time. They're not going to be investing, I don't think. Right. Um, unless it's the type of investment that also helps them for next year, right? Like the Marlins right. aren't going all in on 2023. Um, right. But if it's 10, that means 60% of those will make the playoffs. I mean, come on. Like, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be that hard. No, no. People in my former state are freaking out because the Diamondbacks can't win. I mean, they can't win. They, they, they can't fall out of a boat and hit water at this point. And it happens to everybody at some point during the year, right? They were um, a little hotter than we expected they would be. Right. I'm not saying the Diamondbacks are going to fall all the way. I'm not paying no. that close attention to them to have a real opinion about it. I'm sure. based on the fact that, you know, I used to see them 19 times a year. I have seen them already like seven times this year. This is kind of what we thought the Diamondbacks were going to run into that they didn't have the team for 162 right right they were better than we thought so they have a little bit more cushion right now right right and if the Padres were and again it's just it's these one run games the Padres had five more wins today than they have we'd be talking about the playoffs we'd be talking about uh we talk about the playoff push you know And, and that sounds preposterous if you know if if but like with all the things, though the extra inning games, the the one and two run losses, uh, the mm. bullpen kind of having its uh, period of meltdowns, like five wins seems like, yeah, okay, yeah, right. Well, let's give them five wins. And I don't know that we can all grasp how differently we'd be looking at it. We'd be saying this team should be better. Mm-hmm. We'd be, you know, picking apart some things that, of why they weren't. But it would seem so much better. It would be there would be this kind of like underlying feeling of, okay, yeah, they're going to get going now. That's a lot harder to buy right now when they keep screwing up as they have the last two days. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to leave it, Kevin. Uh, Final final question. Final thought of the day here. So, So you're a dog guy, not a cat guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, I mean, cats, I respect them. Sure. <laughs> you, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to trash talk a cat. Right. But, uh, I'm not going to do that. No, I, I refuse to do that. But big dog guy, especially this dog I, I have now. So big dog. Even though that yapping, I understand if you're thinking that that mm-hmm. was extremely irritating because it was, no. um, but uh, she's so adorable and wonderful that it's okay. Look at you. I learn more about you every day, Kevin. Yeah. This is great. It's great. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm a kid, you know, I'm a cat guy. No, I was going to say, you, what did you bring across the state line? And Two cats. Two cats. A, a, a big, dumb Siamese cat and a small, hyper um, uh, mutt. And uh, they're, uh, they're a ton of fun. They try to interfere in the podcast every once in a while. And I do a, a pretty good job of, like, boxing out. What's great about out. a cat, too, is they're not going to bark. So your, your cats could be, you know, all over you right now. And it wouldn't have been the interruption that my dog was. Oh, mine are usually, they're not today for some reason, but mine uh, usually, especially when I was doing this in a former house, they were usually 10 feet away, kind of just looking at just, you know, the way cats are. Not sure a whole lot was going through their minds, um, but, but you know, just looking at you, watching you do stuff. Well, I'm going to look past it, Ryan. Like, I'm going to look past it. I'm going to blame it like, say, your wife or something like that. Like, I'm going to look past it. Your kids like cats. I, I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you. Oh, my kids want a dog. Oh, my kids want a dog. I just, I got too much going on, man. <laughs> too much work. Too much work. Kevin, hang in there. Welcome home. Uh, and that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. 
For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. Next time we talk, it'll be all Bruce Bochy, Will Venable, and Chris Young talk. As and Travis Jankowski. Yes, yes. As the Padres welcome the Rangers uh, to Petco Park. Uh, we will see you next time.